Hello and welcome to FX Talk, an eBrew podcast all about the foreign exchange market, where we break down some of the main news headlines in financial markets and give our take on what these developments might mean for the world of FX. My name is Matthew Ryan, Head of Market Strategy here at eBrew, and I'm joined as always on the podcast by two of my colleagues, our Chief Risk Officer Enrique Diaz-Alvarez and Senior Market Analyst Roman Zuruk. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of FX Talk. And it's been a, a relatively busy period since our last episode. All of the big three central banks, the Federal Reserve, European Central Bank and Bank of England, have all met in the last couple of weeks or so. All three raised interest rates once again, albeit de- delivered relatively contrasting messages. We've seen a number of important data releases, particularly out of the US, the latest US non-farm payrolls report, once again, beat expectations, dumbfounding expectations that we could see a loosening in labour market conditions. Uh, albeit the latest US inflation data came in slightly weaker than expected as inflationary pressures continue to ease in the world's largest economy, notably in the headline number, which fell to its lowest level in two years. Uh, we've seen continued signs of broad weakness in the US dollar. Uh, among the G10 currencies, the dollar has been the worst performer in the past couple of months, aside only from the Japanese yen. Why is that the case? Well, markets are now increasingly confident that the Federal Reserve is done raising rates following its May meeting, while others, most notably both the ECB and Bank of England, carry on raising rates. At the May meeting, the FMC delivered another 25 basis point hike, although removed all of its forward guidance on rates, effectively confirming that it intends to pause the hiking cycle at its next meeting. By contrast, markets think that both the ECB and Bank of England have more room to go. The ECB continues to remain in data-dependent mode, but with euro-area core inflation still printing around record highs, there doesn't appear to be a let-up there just yet. Meanwhile, the Bank of England struck a hawkish tone at its May meeting, voting 7-2 to raise rates by another 25 basis points, while importantly keeping its forward guidance on rates unchanged from its March meeting. Uh, The pound and the euro have subsequently held on to their status as two of the best performers in the G10 uh, so far in 2023. Uh, But what do you guys think of this divergence in policy stances between the big three central banks? And does this perhaps open up more room for dollar weakness against both the euro and sterling? I think it may, but uh, on the other hand, let's, let's not forget that the move in the euro uh, from the lows below parity that we saw last year is, I mean, has been pretty, pretty sharp. And a lot of this normalization of the differential in rates between Europe and the U.S. is already in the price at these levels. Um, I also think that markets may be underestimating uh, how high and how long rates need to stay at those levels in both in, 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 in all three economic areas, the UK, Eurozone, and the US. Um, I think that uh, whereas the Fed would like to pause, clearly, um, it will it has to do it will do so conditionally on not getting any new uh, unpleasant surprises on the inflation front. Um, so I do think that there's potential for further dollar weakness. But we're going, in order to push beyond the 111 um, high that we've seen in the last few weeks, we're going to need some surprises. 
either in the, in downward surprises in U.S. inflation and or uh, the labor market or uh, more positive surprises in the eurozone. Otherwise, we might be able we might be bouncing around here for a while. I think that, uh, as Enrique said, uh, a lot of it is already in the price. Uh, I think that the market expectations when it comes to the ECB next steps are roughly where they should be. Uh, perhaps they are only uh, a little uh, too dovish. When it comes to the Bank of England, uh, same thing, although in that case, I think they are probably spot on. When it comes to the Fed, uh, I would uh, think that the decline in inflation that we are seeing is supportive of uh, not doing more, uh, considering especially how much the Fed has already done. And uh, there is uh, obviously some luck between the time that they hike and the time that it has the uh, strong effect uh, on the economy. So I think that they are just uh, will, will be in the wait and see mode for quite some time. Uh, but when it comes to the expectations towards the Fed, I think that perhaps the market is too aggressive. I think that they are already uh, bringing forward, um, increasing their expectations uh, for uh, rate cuts uh, to the extent that I don't think is fully justified. The inflation levels that we are seeing, yes, they're coming down, but they're still unacceptably high and not in the place that would allow for easing monetary policy at this point. Some of the uh, tightening in the policy can go through the uh, channel of the banking crisis because it, it tightens the credit conditions to, to some extent. Uh, but uh, at the same time, I don't think that this is uh, something that would uh, support an earlier cut in interest rates. So I think that uh, perhaps the mm, market expectations with regards to the ECB and buy are where they should be when it comes to the Fed. I think that they are a bit too too aggressive. But when it comes to the potential for uh, support for the euro and the sterling in that context, I don't think that uh, there is a lot of potential uh, for increase. Uh, we are already at levels that uh, would seem very high uh, just a few months ago, and that I think that uh, many did not uh, expect those currencies to reach. Mm, looking at the euro dollar, we are bouncing back and forth around the 110 level. And there are also some uh, other information uh, that could, uh, even if we are going to see some uh, hawkish voices from the ECB, or maybe even if the market is somewhat uh, too dovish when it comes to the ECB, I think that there are some counter arguments uh, that could uh, perhaps uh, negate this uh, potential move higher in the euro dollar, uh, such as the string of negative data from China that we are seeing that put in question the extent to which um, the euro may receive the, uh, or, or the global economy and the European economy may receive the support from China reopening. Uh, so I think that uh, probably uh, the euro dollar is likely to remain where it is or around that level for, for quite some time. And uh, similarly with uh, with the pound. I mean, yeah, I would like to remark that I completely agree with uh, that the biggest gap between market expectations and um, and and likely reality that I see is on this those markets the the pricing in of four full cuts by the Fed between now and year end. I think that it's very unlikely to happen unless we get a serious financial accident, which I think is unlikely. And or uh, some massive downward surprises in inflation that I don't think anybody's really expecting. So I really, I really think that's where the biggest gap is between market prices and reality. Yeah, I mean, look, I think you guys both made some very good points. I mean, as you mentioned, Enrico, the, the, the moves that we have 
already seen have been rather dramatic already, um, which could potentially limit the downside um, for the dollar. And as we've mentioned, a lot of this uh, is already priced in. You know, the, the thing that's most important for currencies, of course, is is not necessarily the actual change in rates that matters, but how it differs from market pricing. Um, I mean, on the face of it, I think we, we we potentially could see some some additional weakness in the dollar, um, particularly against sterling. And we've talked a lot about uh, the euro and the ECB, but focusing specifically on the pound, I, mean, I think the Bank of England announcement this week should be on the face of it, as I said, particularly bullish uh, for, for sterling. Um, unlike the Fed and ECB, the Bank of England has kept its forward guidance in place, effectively confirming, in my view anyway, that we'll get at least one more rate hike. Um, in reality, I think in the UK, we could see at least a couple more, perhaps even um, um, more beyond then. Growth and inflation forecasts both revised up. Still only two dissenters uh, among the MPC in favour of no change. Um, some of the market had expected one or two um, uh, of MPC members to join the doves, but that did not come to pass. Um, so this should, I think, should all be positive stuff for sterling, um, particularly as markets turn their attention to US rate cuts, which um, I don't think are in the offing in the UK um, anytime soon. Um, so on the one hand, uh, hawkish MPC. On the other, uh, fears of, of a UK recession are, are, are receding by the day. Um, so as far as sterling is concerned, uh, at least, I still think there's a, a bit of room for upside there. Great. We're going to move on now and uh, and talk about our second topic uh, of today's episode. And, and I wanted to spend the second half um, of uh, of this week's podcast focusing specifically on the Federal Reserve, which of course is widely seen as the most important central bank in the world and its monetary policy decisions are generally one of the biggest drivers of currencies globally. Uh, now, after its May meeting, which we, we of course talked about, uh, the Fed seemingly done raising rates. So attention now is very much going to turn to the possibility and the timing of US rate cuts. And we're seeing a bit of disparity at the moment between, first of all, market pricing for Fed rates and the Fed's actual communications. On the one hand, FOMC Chair Powell pushed back against the possibility of US rate cuts at the May meeting. To quote Powell, uh, we on the committee have a view that inflation is going to come down not so quickly. If that forecast is broadly right, it would not be appropriate to cut rates. End quote. Um, indeed, at the last um, set of interest rate projections, known as a dot plot, uh, Fed members did not expect to cut rates until 2024. Markets ha have, however, largely overlooked uh, these communications. Fed fund futures, which are used to calculate implied probability of US rates in the future, uh, are now showing almost a 50-50 chance of a first 25 basis point cut as soon as July with more than 80 basis points of rate cuts now priced in by year end. So clearly a big disparity on the one hand, the Federal Reserve's communications, and on the other, uh, market pricing for US rates. Um, but I'm going to put it to you guys, which do you think is more likely to come to pass, the market's view or that of the Fed? And I'm going to put you both on the spot as well. When do you think uh, the FOMC will start cutting interest rates? Okay, let me start. Um, I advanced a little bit my views in the 
earlier in the podcast, but clearly uh, this with we have core inflation in the U.S. that seems to be stabilizing around 5%. We're getting monthly prints in the core data of 0.4, 0.5%. That is an annual rate of of 5% or above. Uh, Wages are not coming down. The uh, Atlanta wage tracker, which accounts for compositional effects, and it's probably, to my mind, is the, the most information of all the wage indicators in the U.S., is stabilized above 6%. So there's, even though it is true that the effects of monetary policy tightening are lacked and we have not seen all of them, uh, to think that we are going to revert to 2% inflation and 3% wage increases, which is where the Fed wants to see as early as this summer is is, is pretty, uh, pretty absurd. Uh, further, I think that the market has been consistently underestimating the resiliency of the demand for labor in the U.S. globally, but especially in the U.S., continues to do so, as we saw by the last uh, job report out of the U.S., which was a blowout report much better than expected. So I don't think we're going to see cuts at all this year. Um, I think that we are as likely to see additional hikes this year if inflation does not continue to moderate as the Fed expects, as we are likely to see cuts. So definitely no cuts before well into 2024. I think I'm not as aggressive in my opinion as Enrique here, because I I cannot rule out that we are going to see some cuts in rates, but I think that expecting a, a possibility of cuts as the market is right now in July uh, or expecting either three or four cuts before the end of the year is just uh, too significant of uh, of an expectation. And to me, this is not uh, something that can be uh, that we can match considering where the labor market is in the US. It's It's been a global phenomenon that the labor markets generally are very strong right now that wage pressures remain. And uh, this should uh, probably delay the process of inflation coming down to reasonable levels, to levels that would be comfortable for the Federal Reserve and other central banks uh, to uh, loosen monetary policy. Uh, So uh, I agree that uh, the market expectations are um, too aggressive in that context. But I would probably be thinking about either uh, the year end or early in 2024 when it comes to to rate cut from the Federal Reserve on the basis that uh, we are uh, seeing the decline in inflation. The pace has not been uh, super fast, uh, but uh, probably at some point uh, at the turn of the year, I would think that maybe uh, it will be enough for them uh, to to consider cutting rates and, and to do so, and especially also if we are going to see uh, some further easing in uh, the labor market, because right now it is very strong. There are some tentative signs of easing there uh, in the jolts uh, numbers when the increases in employment in the NFP is not as strong but still considering uh, expectations towards the labor market it's still very very strong and I think that Fed would probably need to uh, see it uh, a bit weaker uh, before engaging in thinking about uh, rate cuts. Great so I, th- I think we're, we're roughly on the same page here actually I and mean, I think um I agree. I think market pricing for cuts in the US are far too excessive, 80 basis points. Um, in my view, at least, I think that's that's far too aggressive for a number of reasons, as you guys have talked about. 
first of all, the persistence of inflation in the US, notably the core index, you know, our favoured metric that is a three-month uh, moving average of core inflation, which we've talked about quite a lot on this podcast. That remains still very high uh, and above 5%, which is, of course, well above the Fed's target. We've also not seen just yet any signs of a clear deterioration in US labour market conditions. Um, all right, we've seen modest signs of loosening. Job openings have, have dropped uh, slightly. Job cuts are up. Jobless claims have also increased. But um, as I mentioned at the top of the podcast, job creation remains very strong, at least according to the latest non-farm payrolls data. Um, and so far, the banking troubles appear largely contained and there's no real signs of a systemic issue. Um, that is, of course, though, that is the wild card in my view, at least. Um, I don't think we've necessarily seen the end of the banking uncertainty just yet. Um, we saw last week shares in, in both PacWest and Western Alliance Bank falling rather sharply. Um, should other regional banks run into similar trouble as Silicon Valley Bank, uh, then I think the Fed will probably have to rethink its strategy. Um, so, but, but will the, the Fed cut rates by 80 basis points this year? I, I don't think so. But I think there is a greater risk of cuts in 2023 than we thought maybe two or three months ago. Um, so with that in mind, I'm looking more towards the end of this year, maybe maybe potentially Q4 2023 at the earliest, which would leave around about six months uh, in between the last hike and the first cut, which I think is roughly uh, in line with previous cycles. Um, so, so Enrique, no cuts until 2024. Roman, sort of year-end, early 2024. Um, uh, and myself, yeah, I think Q4 2023, but I would not be surprised uh, if they waited until next year. Well, I would like to pair my prediction on the Fed, um, which obviously would be bullish for the dollar if it uh, came to be with the fact that I also think that the market is underestimating the hikes that are still needed in the, in the Eurozone. Uh, and that's why I still maintain a mildly bullish outlook on the euro. And that's it from us. If you're keen to hear more about our thoughts on the FX market, visit Ebreed's website or follow us on social media. And don't forget to rate and review the podcast on your favorite podcast app. And let us know if there are any topics you'd like to hear more on during upcoming episodes. Keep an eye out for our next episode in a fortnight's time. Thank you all very much for listening.